Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and I know it's been a minute since the last time you and I have spoken, and I want to thank you so much for following the Thrive Bites podcast. And I just want to let you know that there's good reason for that, and let me explain. In almost six months, I've been working tirelessly and diligently to helping people near and far during this tumultuous year that we've had from 2020 into 2021. And I said to myself, what more can I do to inspire and impact others? And you guys know me, I'm all about thriving. I'm all about thriving from a emotional, mental, and physical standpoint. That is the reason why I wrote Thrive Medicine. And that is the reason why I started this podcast called Thrive Bites. And so I decided that I wanted to put together a virtual summit experience, gathering over 50 speakers. That includes physicians, dietitians, fitness experts, coaches, and spanning over five pillars in teaching someone else on learning how to thrive. And I call this the Thrive Formula. The five pillars consist of food as medicine, functional fitness, relationships, community, and resilience. And the reason why I've chosen to do this is because I really wanted to give more tools, more education, and more inspiration. And letting people know that they're not alone and they don't have to be ill-equipped for life and whatever life throws at you, whether it's a curveball, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's a roadblock. And I worked really hard to provide this and I'm happy to announce that it is fully released and it's fully accessible. And you may ask yourself, who is this for and what does it consist of? This is for the individual that prioritizes their health and wellness and also wants to take charge of their own well-being. It's also for the healthcare professional and the healthcare professional student because I wanted to create a summit experience that I wish I could have had when I was in school. The summit experience has over 50 plus hours plus more ranging from culinary demonstrations to fitness demonstrations to scientific medical sessions. And we answer questions like, what is Whole Foods plant-based cooking? How do I start cooking back in my kitchen? What affects my brain, gut, and immune health? What are the tools for my own emotional and mental well-being? How can I be more of service and lead by example? What kind of nutrition do I need to give my children nowadays? To how do I navigate self-doubt, self-sabotage, my inner critic? to what are the best physical movements to increase my mobility, strength, flexibility, and function. And one of my favorites is how do I create more joy, contentment, and happiness in my own life? This summit also works like a masterclass series where you get to learn and further your education. And I do this by providing quizzes with every session and I provide workbooks. And there's also recipes and very, very special speaker bonuses. You'll also have the opportunity to join a private Facebook community to further your growth and connect with like-minded individuals. So if this resonates with you, please join us on this journey to further yourself and take back 2021 and beyond. You can find us at thethriveformula.co. That's T-H-E-T-H-R number five, formula.co. And come on inside and I'll see you in there. Cheers. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu and thank you so much for being here with us on the Thrive Bites podcast. This is season four and we're so excited for you to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Colin Zhu, double boarded in family and lifestyle medicine and I interview the best and most passionate health and wellness experts of the industry on this platform. And we talk about plant-powered living, emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And this season, we're taking it live, we're taking it on multiple platforms, and we're taking it as a Q&A discussion as well as our interviewing of our guests. So we're super stoked about this, and please remember to like and subscribe down below, and we will see you. Welcome to the next episode.
All right. Well, welcome to the Fry Bites podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us on the show. You can be anywhere in the world, and I'm really, really appreciative for you guys to spend just a few moments with us and with us for our new guest for this episode. Um, his name is Dr. Christopher M. Serino. Um, he's a fellow osteopath, a DO, and uh, an MPH. He's a board-certified infectious disease and internal medicine physician. He has specific interests in HIV, tropical medicine, neuroscience, and public health. What a great combination. Um, during his work as a physician, he saw the need for resources to empower patients and assist them in addressing their behaviors. He found that your health form in 2019, starting as a wellness website, and has since published more than... 170 articles. Um, he has written also several children's books and organized uh, seminars. Dr. Serino is an advocate for mindfulness practices and patient self-empowerment. I love it. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Serino. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Zhu, for having me here. This is awesome. I, I, I didn't even realize initially that this was a live presentation, so I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're able to roll with the punches. So that's good. <laughs> um, okay. So number one, thank you so much uh, for, you know, being here, taking the time out of your busy, uh, you know, work schedule to be here with us. And, um, you know, I love, um, you know, pretty much diving deep into someone's origin story of how they got from point A to point B. You have a very colorful um, background and I know you noticed that you've made it made some cha uh, transitions and changes during your trajectory. So if you can just share with the audience, how did you come about going into infectious diseases slash internal medicine, and then made your way into the space of wellness and mindfulness? Thank you. Yeah, I've always taken an interest in healing, and I was very interested in uh, mindfulness and um, new age and those types of concepts, even as a teenager. Um, and the idea of osteopathic medical school fit really well for me as, as I understood the body being capable of healing itself. Um, I had much interest in um, HIV um, as an infection that altered a person's immune system. Um, it, it was very interesting to me to look into how we've gone from uh, something that otherwise would be consistent with death to being able to have someone live a, a full life uh, because of treatments. And so uh, looking into uh, infectious disease was my, um, my, my pathway to getting me to understanding about uh, that healing concept. Um, I often saw many patients in the last 20 years uh, during my training, as well as um, a, an infectious disease consultant who had come in with infections that were complications of their behaviors. And the infections were sure treatable, and in some cases, unfortunately, led to their death, uh, but it led me to asking that question. You know, what is the upstream question that we need to get to in people who have infections? And it often goes to the idea of behavior. And that's, that's a very challenging thing to address in the clinical setting. And so I engaged in, in developing a website um, to encourage a community uh, to uh, develop those skill sets to approach their behaviors. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great, you know, roundabout way um, to really get to the core. Um, you know, we talk a lot about behavior and lifestyle changes on the show and, um, you know, whether it is trying to eat, you know, as healthily as possible, trying to, you know, establish a good movement based, you know, physical, you know, lifestyle, um, or anything just in terms of enhancing, you know, our relationships with ourselves. And then also, you know, with interpersonally, um, it is challenging, you know, to, to be able to say the least, you know, um, how, um, you know, where was the, the turning point, you know, for you in terms of, you know, you decided, have you completely kind of phased out of the infectious disease profession or, you know, are you still doing parts of it or how is it right now? 
Yeah, I still practice infectious diseases. I'm I'm part time right now, and what I what I'm doing is a locum tenens type of a mixture, where I'm giving some more time to devote towards developing um, your health forum, um, where I'm working on some books at the time. But in the meantime, I'm also working in uh, the local prison um, where I'm doing intakes, and it's a great uh, development for me, you know, just to learn more about human behavior. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm also doing uh, part-time work in, uh, in various sites who would, who would need infectious disease. So it's right now the, the transition really opened up the possibility of developing more writing, um, more speaking on, on the very interest that, that drives me. Yeah. And you've mentioned that, you know, as a fellow, you know, osteopath, you know, the philosophies definitely spoke to you. It definitely spoke to me when I got into uh, DO school and I actually only applied to DO school. That's how much, you know, the uh, philosophies and principles spoke to me. So we're definitely on the same wavelength. So I really appreciate that. Um, So let's go deeper into, um, you know, trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, trauma takes on so many different forms. You know, you kind of, um, you know, brushed upon it a little bit. Um, You know, you have current work um, into the prison system. You know, you're doing locum tenants right now. How does what does um, I guess the first question is, is that how would you define trauma, whether it's the, you know, the psychological base, mental, emotional based, um, you know, from your niche of, you know, what you do? And how have you observed it in your patients over time to say like, hey, uh, I think we need to really focus on this because this is almost sort of like the roots of many, many different things that ended up manifesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a a fascinating and there's so many um, there's so many directions that I can take on this. Um, What I would start with is that trauma is a perception, you know, of the brain that there is a significant stressor and it alerts the, you know, the response of evading or engaging, disengaging or engaging. And unfortunately, in when the trauma is significant or chronic, it can lead to um, a re- repetitive cycle um, at, at, as a coping strategy. Um, in, in a way, our brain is, is, a filter in learning how to cope with with, um, stressors in the environment. And we have our amygdala, a part of our brain that that sends centers to um, our our body in coping with these. And that is that fight and flight response, which I like to think of it more as an engage and disengage. Um, And that what happens with the trauma is it sort of sets a rippling effect that leads to thoughts, and then actions that continue along the trajectory of a behavior. And ultimately that behavior becomes us um, if, if, we're, if we don't reach out of that. And so the brain seeks to, to uh, maintain itself in dealing with these stressors. It seeks to preserve its energy. And in a way, um, a behavior is, it, um, it, it is an adaptation to that prior trauma. So we relate to things in the present tense from our past experiences. Mm. Yeah, someone once told me, um, you know, a, a colleague once told me is that, you know, when we're trying to create more joy and happiness within our lives, it's uh, oftentimes, you know, a lot of work in terms of trying to embed that into I guess our normal routines and behavior mm-hmm. patterns and, you know, ultimately become actual actions. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think of creating joy and happiness as a process, as opposed to like an end destination that you, you know, kind of strive for. And then on the reflexive, as you're you know talking about trauma, it seems like, you know, and you can, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, um, something that is very imprintable, uh, very, very fast um, and very, very deeply because like you said, um, it's, you know, our fight or flight response. It's our modern day version of, you know, we're trying to run away from something, right? But in essence, you know, we're not being eaten per se, but it's something so imprintable, your body kind of, you know, thinks that it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think um, part of that that's fascinating is that when we experience that, it is, it is, it may be started in the brain, 
but it's experienced in the entire body. You know, we have our adrenal system uh, that is mounting that fight and flight response, which has major impacts on our brain structure. And so in a sense, you know, what is being realized in the brain is also being realized in the body. And, and those two are not able to be separated. And, and so an interesting part to that is oftentimes a thought, even a, a positive thought can lead to the development of a future path, you know, to improvement and mindfulness. Um. Besides the prison system, you know, do you, where is your most, uh, where are your other audiences from as you kind of observe, you know, trauma-based care, you know, over time mm -hmm. has, you know, your patient population mostly been, you know, in the prison system or is it shown up in different ways or maybe like in your, you know, ID, um, infectious disease profession as well? Yeah, it is showing up in everything, um, in every patient that I work with. Um, it's fascinating because, you know, we may think of, um, you know, I, I think of those most egregious experiences where people have had significant trauma growing up, um, the adverse childhood experience uh, events study, where the amount of trauma in various types led to an increased risk of, of mental health issues, led to um, drug and alcohol abuse, as well as um, you know, physical health problems. Um, and so I do see that with infectious diseases, um, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, and all of these um, oftentimes is linked to a significant um, behavioral loop, oftentimes develops sometimes, sometimes even before uh, a person is cognizant of that trauma. And I'll give you an example. Uh, some studies looking at, um, you know, gestational diabetes, and how um, how the offspring has an increased risk of developing diabetes. And so we know, you know, that you think of that example, and then you think of the example of someone who has had, um, there, there was a report of maternal childhood or maternal trauma and its impact on the infant. So, so these things are sometimes not even in our control. They've already developed even before we began thinking of the words associated with things. We've already had, yeah, yeah. That that that's really really powerful. Um, and uh, you know, for me, I've you know learned something new called uh, you know generational trauma, where <laughs> you know previous generations. It's not necessarily. Now, you could say that it's almost like you know being embedded into your DNA and pass forward. But a lot mm -hmm. of times, it's you know growing up in a certain environment, whether it's cultural, whether whether it's like you know, um, you know, dare I say it like, you know, religious or, you know, spiritual related, you know, there's something that is, you know, with that type of environment that gets, you know, imprinted, you know, for the next generation. So, so my next question is, is that, you know, um, you know, the topic, you know, is how can we heal with compassionate care and post-traumatic resilience, right? So let's go into defining what those two mean and how does your current role uh, assist and or facilitate, you know, with that? So um, I would say uh, compassionate care is essentially acknowledging that the individual in front of you has experiences that have led them to developing a behavioral cycle, um, unfortunately, some of which can lead to um, harm, ultimately uh, causing physical disease and mental health issues, the compassion part of it comes with acknowledging that free of any judgment or conclusion. Um, no, there's no blame or guilt to that other than just understanding as a human being that we all are subjected to various forms of trauma. And, um, and when those do stack up, uh, they lead to, um, you know, behaviors that lead to physical health issues. And so I think compassion really comes with, you know, again, the Latin for compassion is to suffer with. And it's the idea that it's really just looking past that the manifestation and understanding the, the, the underlying processes that are occurring and just, you know, showing a, an understanding and love for the other person, you know, opening the ears, listening to their words, um, not jumping into conclusions. 
Um, so active listening is, is applies. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. On my podcast, we talk about eating and cooking and living from a whole foods, plant-based approach. And between my patients, clients, and my audience listeners, I get a lot of questions of, hey doc, how do I get started on how to set up a kitchen? Or what should I buy? What should I make? Is there something beyond a salad, broccoli, and a smoothie? I know in our fast-paced life and during a pandemic, it is much more challenging to be able to teach yourself and learning how to cook. And so I partner up with Listenable, who is a leader in audio educational courses that are bite-sized. And I went ahead and created a course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And in this course, I put in my best tips, tools, and tricks on everything that I've learned on how to get someone started to eating more plants, getting healthier for you and your family. I talk about how to set up your kitchen from the pantry to the fridge, to the freezer, to how to navigate the supermarket, to what kind of utensils and appliances one needs to have, to what do we need to make, how to meal prep, what kind of cooking techniques there are, and what exactly is whole foods plant-based. And I'm able to make this course over 10 lessons. Each of those lessons are less than 10 minutes long. And you'll be able to finish this in an hour. You could even do it while commuting, exercising, or even walking your dog. And in addition, you can choose from over 3,000 plus original audio lessons created by well-loved experts. Just use the coupon code ColinZhu, C-O-L-I-N-Z-H-U, on Listenable.io, and you'll be able to get 30% off a year of Listenable. So definitely check that out in the show notes, and check out the course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And I'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and now back to Thrivebytes. Welcome back to Thrivebytes. Let's get back to the interview. As far as the resilience, it was the other part of it. As far as traumatic resilience, yeah, yeah. So post-traumatic resilience um, is is something that we can we can venture towards once we acknowledge that the inner core of our behavior is essentially protecting the behavior from being changed. So that post-traumatic resilience is understanding that the behavior is a cycle that does not want to change itself. We need to look past that cycle into number one, things that I suggest are, doing something that's radically different, you know, and that includes physical um, changes, you know, so doing, for instance, an exercise or sport that one hasn't done before. Um, Also actively documenting one's thoughts, Um, putting things into words creates a chain of events that do, that does allow for one to see the forest or the trees. And in a sense, see through that blind spot that we all have. We all have a blind spot to our behaviors. And so the resilience develops as we develop step-by-step and a closer understanding of what is going and unraveling that, we develop greater confidence in the fact that we are changing and the change itself provokes further change. And so it's, it's amazing just to see this happening in, in someone's life um, I, you know, when someone says, well, I'm going to start exercising because I need to lose weight. And, you know, most of us would, would, um, think, well, there's no really a, a direct association with exercise and weight loss. It's probably a fairly minimal association in adults, but that exercise sets up a new behavior pattern. It's out of the person's comfort zone. And I do often tell people if they're, if they're looking to change, it is going to be uncomfortable. You know, you can think of someone who has IV drug abuse uh, history, and then they decide to stop that drug right away. They're going to develop a a significant amount of boredom um, and pain, you know, and physical findings. 
those things are very parallel to any of the behaviors, perhaps less extreme, but, you know, think of a person who has diabetes and changing their diet, adding more vegetables, adding, um, adding less, uh, you know, carbohydrates uh, that are processed. So all of these changes are going to lead to some discomfort and acknowledging that as we grow through these discomforts, we, we develop confidence and we develop discipline. And that's where the resilience comes from. That's awesome. Um, even as something as, uh, you know, I haven't even thought about, you know, just cutting back like the carbs, you know, just something as, uh, you know, as simple as a behavior change like that can also create discomfort for someone. And it makes oh. sense. You know, if you think about it, you know, if someone is used to, you know, being able to eat or, you know, go about uh, in a certain way of their lifestyle, you know, in a way, it's almost like, you know, you're taking something away, you know, from them yes. that's near and dear, right? And you don't know, I guess, until you ask them whether, you know, that is tied to something, right? You know, maybe it's tied to a family member, something cultural, um, you know, because like, if we're using an example of food, you know, food can be very, you know, cultural, uh, you know, uh, type of thing. So, um, so I guess my next question for you, go ahead, where you go. I was going to say, think of it this way. Our brain processes rewards and punishments the same way as fight and flight. So those two, they overlap. So you've got dopamine and, um, you know, the draw to making a movement and in a way fighting and flighting, or I would call engaging and disengaging can be viewed similarly. You know, it's an interesting thing. The same part of our brain, um, you know, that deals with rewards and punishments deal with fight and flight. And the, the implications of that are, are fascinating because if you think about it, if we can gear our mind to thinking of something as instead of being a threat to us as being a, a, a challenge, a creative challenge, we can approach something directly, including our behaviors in that mindset. And so I just thought that was always fascinating. Fight and flight and rewards and punishments are overlapping. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, never even thought about it that way. So yeah. I um, I remember doing a lecture uh, for my medical school alma mater about how food in is very similar to substance abuse, you know, mm -hmm. especially with the processed foods and, you know, how things are. I think it's kind of like almost like the new, <laughs> a new form of abuse, but in the in a form yes. of, you know, food. Um, so in a way, you know, the way, you know, you're describing, um, you know, which is, you know, very, very, you know, nice to hear. Um, how does your work, I guess, differ from, I guess, you know, psychotherapy or, you know, someone that's like, uh, you know, uh, a psychiatrist or someone that's like, you know, a licensed marriage, you know, and family therapist, you know, how have you, is it similar? Is it, you know, how, how else is it different? Do you do one-on-one -on -one sessions? Do you do group sessions? Like how do you help to facilitate someone's, you know, trauma and, and what kind of settings? That's a great question. Um, I'm still in the process of developing my process of, of approaching this. I do seminars at this time and um, they're usually focus group level. So anywhere from six to 15 people. And essentially what we, what we do is I, I give a talk um, and it's usually most of it's pictures, you know, and then I go mm -hmm. through the story of how our brain develops um, and about the history of, you know, about ACEs uh, uh, scores. And then I talk about um, how, addictions and and how essentially when it comes down to it we approach things that provide us pleasure and we avoid things that cause us displeasure or pain and so i kind of talk about that then i start broaching the idea of how food as well um, is 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 an addiction and essentially every behavior we have is a you know is an addiction it's that's brushing my teeth you know getting used to those things um, so it's not you know it's sort of changing the words and so I think the interesting thing that I'm working on is developing this and looking at this in sort of a scientific level. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I think it's uh, fascinating when we come down to a cell, you know, within our body, every single mm -hmm. cell can respond to every other cell. There is this autocrine and paracrine effect, so and endocrine effects. So we have three different effects where we have this communication. 
And where I find this fascinating is if you think about it, the this, this single cell universe, like protozoa, they have the same behavior of, of approaching something that's attracted to them, a chemoattractant, and then staying away from those uh, things that could be harmful to it. And I think in a way, you know, when you think of a, an infant being born, you know, what are the, the two instincts uh, that are immediately uh, known? Um, it has its no, it, you know, an infant has multiple instincts, but the first thing an infant does is it cries and, and it, it seeks warmth and it seeks, and it has hunger. You know, we assume that that is what is happening. And so you know, in a lot of things, the things that wrap around that, those two basic things, which is, you know, warmth and hunger are all, by the way, those are already inter, intermingled, Right. You know, an infant is, you know, held and and is and breastfeeds, and and so all these other things are become nuances to those simple needs. You know, we have such complex descriptions of our our challenges that we have, our nuances, our behaviors, and and a lot, and they're essentially similar to eating, and that's why eating can become so um, so rav- and, you know raveled with uh, with the behavior. Of, of, of needing security of, of self, of self, you know, self coping. Um, so that's sort of where I, I come from. I come from that idea of, you know, looking at neuroscience um, and, and also at the cellular level, how we, how we are just massive, uh, you know, environment of cells. Yeah, of course we have our, our wonderful prefrontal cortex but the idea is, is, is our whole body is, is, is uh, a, essentially an interraveling of our vascular system and our nervous system. So that's kind of where I Yeah, go. definitely, definitely. And, you know, coming from an infectious disease, you know, background, um, it makes a lot of sense to go, you know, towards the cellular level. Um, yeah. I definitely have a bunch of questions. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And for those that are, you know, watching, um, if you have any questions for Dr. Chris, please comment or, you know, ask any questions and we will definitely read them all. So we're going to go a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. I just want to take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something. Something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now. And I remember in my personal experiences... Uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not. What I found instead was that life was a process and learning about life was also a process and a practice and that the state of happiness and the state of joy and contentment was also a practice For those of you who don't know, since I don't share that much on my podcast, is that I actually battle with anxiety, OCD, and in the past, episodes of depression. However, little by little, step by step, after seeking extra help, I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. A couple of reviews. This is by... 
Rebecca Raymer. Becky has literally saved my life by truly understanding me. She has given me self-talk strategies and different thought pattern exercises that have made me stronger and a more aware person. I am so, so grateful to have found her. I've been to so many different therapists and none have helped me like Becky has. This is another review for Adam Johnson. I've had counselors before, both on BetterHelp and in person through work. And Adam, by far, is the best counselor I've ever talked with. I feel like he actually listens to and what is going on. He asks questions to help you navigate your thoughts. And you can tell that he is listening and wants you to help you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Thrive Bite listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. T-H-E-C-H-E-F-D-O-C. Thank you for listening, guys. And back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. All right. So uh, actually, uh, before we go into the next questions, um, I want to showcase this. Uh, so Adam, <laughs> Adam Mia Fitness and Gaming, he says, Hi, can childhood trauma cause personality uh, disorders? And he subsequently writes, I was told it could damage the amygdala. Mm. Adam, very good question. I just want to start by saying I am not a psychologist, psychiatrist. Um, I am I am a, a physician with infectious disease background. So to answer that question takes me a little off of my, my area of, of emphasis, but certainly my interest. Um, as far as what you said about the amygdala, that's a, a good point. Um, there are, um, since the dawn of fMRI, which is a functional MRI, essentially what that is doing is it's um, assessing the brain's blood flow at the time. So people are asked to think of certain things and, you know, what is the fMRI showing when they're thinking what brain, what parts of the brain, quote unquote, light up. And so there have been some studies um, this goes, I'm going to go a little circuitous, but it might answer, it'll get to your point, answer. Um, I'll give you an example. So there was a, a, a London taxicab study where they looked at fMRIs of the brain in taxicab drivers in London streets. And if you don't know about London streets, they're, they're very circuitous and like a labyrinth of streets versus bus drivers who did predictable things. So the bus drivers in London, they have their, their same route. And fMRI studies suggested there were larger um, and, and thicker vascular areas of in taxicab drivers who are thinking all the time. They're all, you know, so those types of thought processes do increase the size of the hippocampus. This is a different part. And now this goes to other parts of the brain. Uh, there were some studies looking at depression and how the, the amygdala um, has an increased volume. And the amygdala, they're two, two little almond size. That's where amygdala comes from. Um, areas of the brain that are centered into our, our body uh, connections as well as uh, uh, some of our prefrontal as well. And so the, the amygdala value in, uh, volume increased in people that were depressed. And the thought process behind this is if you are depressed, you become better at being depressed. So if you think depressive thoughts, you then develop behaviors and you become just better at being depressed. And um, so the question about um, be, uh, personality disorders, um, I would like to just, you know, men mention we, a, a lot of things that we do in medicine, we have guidelines. And one of the big guidelines is the diagnostic um, uh, book, the DSM, and it has multiple iterations. And that is for uh, psychiatric disorders. Um, and, and I do want to mention to you that I think when we look at the brain and how it is affected by trauma, we really need to consider redefining and sort of bringing it into the modern view that the DSM is, is fine for its, for its um, cataloging of these disorders, these conditions, but really um, I think looking at what's happening here 
a lot of this is brought on by trauma. Now, I don't mean trauma just, you know, verbal abuse, uh, physical abuse, but, you know, even head trauma has been associated with an increased um, uh, uh, incidence of, of schizophrenia. So, yes, personality disorders can be a result of trauma. You know, if you think of uh, conditions like bipolar disorder, where someone has fights, uh, flights of mania, and on the other hand, they have flights of depression. In some ways, uh, you know, chemicals are driving this process. Neurotransmitters are driving this process. Um, so I do think that we really, it is a time to come to redefining what mental health is. Uh, thank you. Uh, Adam did write that he, he said that today's topic, he thought today's topic was about PTSD. Adam, I do want to say that um, in later episodes, we do have, uh, we talk about PTSD, um, something similar uh, to a later episode. So definitely, um, you know, for those that are interested, um, you know, in terms of that realm, um, don't forget to, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and uh, definitely follow. So we'll definitely go deeper into that. Um, but I want to get into it. And he says, thank you very much. You got it. You got it, Adam. <laughs> Adam, Adam, interestingly enough, you can do, you can say 10 things. You, you, I'm sorry, you can say something to 10 different people and they will take it differently. So you can, you, you can say, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, 10 people will take it differently. And what I'm trying to say is, is that in a sense, what that stressor is, is depicted by our brain um, from our past experiences. And, in, and just as something can be the most challenging obstacle um, that leads to trauma, it can also lead to growth. And, and so it is, there's a significant uh, kind of a flip of a coin, um, but it really comes with how our mindset is. It comes with the cues that our brain picks up, and it also comes with our mindset. And that's where that post-traumatic resilience uh, comes in. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you for that question. Um, so Dr. Dr. Chris, I guess a question for me is, um, you know, in the world and the current era that we live in, you know, this is obviously, you know, very unprecedented uh, for the entire globe and it's hitting every industry, every sector, um, and it's definitely taxed us, you know, as a healthcare system as a whole. Um, in a way, you know, the silver lining could be like, you know, how can we go from here? How can we pivot? How can we become more resilient, right? Mm -hmm. um, and kind of solidify all the different cracks in the foundation that we didn't see before. So for those that are, you know, I guess listening, um, you know, I kind of feel like everyone has faced some sort of trauma, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, no matter what type of walk of life, you know what I'm saying? Um, right. I guess just being, just being born into the world is very traumatic, you know, if you think <laughs> about it, you know? Um, what would you say from your studies, practice, and experience how we can arm ourselves um, in terms of moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. From this point on moving forward, because we don't know what the pandemic is going to be like. We don't know what the economy is going to be like. Um, you know, we only know what tomorrow is going to be like. What would you say are the you know, best, like, I don't know, three top you know, strategies that you can impart to our audience to say like, hey, you know, this is what I found, you know, um, that's, you know, worked well, you know, with my patients um, or clients or audience and, uh, you know, anything personal uh, as well. Sure. Wow. I mean, when it comes down to it, our body is actively, you know, processing as we're moving, as we're doing. And so I would say, number one, do something. And I think what I need to that is, you know, pick a hobby, pick an interest that you have that you thought about, but you've talked yourself out of. And I would recommend to pursue that interest. Um, and that includes changing, you know, changing your comfort zone, getting out of your comfort zone. Yes, it is where you meet. It's the pathway where you meet where you're least comfortable and where those traumas can sometimes open up. But that's also the place where there's healing. So go towards the stressor. Number two, I would say, is be in a community. And I want to mention that to you because, you know, we think of, we, this is an interesting uh, neurotransmitter. We, we mentioned dopamine briefly, but uh, serotonin. And, uh, there's also oxytocin. And interestingly enough, oxytocin is meant for uterine contractions and for breastfeeding. It, it stimulates the release. Uh, but it's also um, associated with relationships, and, and it's sometimes been referred to as a love drug. However, it, uh, neurotransmitter, but it can also be associated with aggression. It's all in the context. 
But the idea here is, is that oxytocin also helps with dopamine deficiency. It triggers uh, that. So in a sense, developing a community is a, a, we're inherently um, raised, we're inherently developed to develop a community. So develop a community that is your small community, but we're develop a larger community. So that would be number two. Uh, number three is um, is mind mind your body, and I'm using these two together. But the idea with mind your body is make sure that you're getting the correct um, sleep that you know you're sleeping consistently and you're sleeping for at least eight hours. And if you are having pro- problems, you know it doesn't mean to take more caffeine. It doesn't mean to take alcohol if you're having a hard time going to sleep. So medicating these things. It's just going to contribute to worsening the conditions. Um, so if you're having sleep problems, get that checked out by a sleep doctor. But sleeping well and also um, moving your body for exercising on a routine basis. Essentially, what we're doing is we're pushing our body to have a physical change. Um, and that is preparing us for stressors. So it's sort of a coping strategy. And then finally, um, what we digest. And that includes the food we put into our mouth. It includes the reading that we do. Um, it, it, you know, the words come through our brain and we start processing and we want to tell a narrative. The narrative is, it, you know, it, it essentially we're in a downward feedback cycle of a narrative in some cases, unfortunately, with the COVID-19 narratives that have developed. So it's not only what you eat, but it's also what else you consume. I love that. I love that. Well, um, I hopefully that helps. Um, you know, I my I really love the part when you said you know food as medicine. We talk a lot about food as medicine here on the show, um, but you know a lot of people don't associate you know like you said the positive and or negative comments, whether it's for your own thinking or it could be a family member, coworker, fa- you know, significant other, friend. You know, they can have a very uh, detrimental effect if we allow it to. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it's about choices of, you know, what comes through our environments, right? Almost, you know, almost our invisible bubble, you know? <laughs> um, this is what I start with. In the very moment, the sperm meets the egg. It already develops an environment. The environment is already, we are already susceptible to the environment. And so I like to talk of four eyes, I call it four eyes, but ingestion of food, drink, or other toxins or microbes, inspiration, which is the air we breathe in. And again, these are pretty basic. Um, Next would be injection or injury to our skin. Um, That includes burns, it includes injection drugs, it includes trauma. And then finally, impression. And that's the way our brain shows what is happening. And in in many ways, we can cause our own disease uh, through our impressions and our imagination. Definitely, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, like people, you know, hopefully get by now is that even though the coronavirus, for example, is invisible, it could have a very severe impact on our health. And, um, you know, just like thoughts, just like, you know, things, you know, that just come at us. So um, Dr. Chris, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, lastly, you know, before we close out, how can people find you, you know, where can people reach out to you? And, um, I know that you have a website, you have a forum going on and, uh, what do you hope to achieve with, you know, this new trajectory, you know, of your, of your career? Well, to start with, I'm, I am achieving, um, the feeling of fulfillment in what I'm doing and it doesn't have any money attached to it. It's just the passion of carrying that out. And so I, I hope to achieve, achieve to start with understanding how, how I am and how I developed. And I'm hoping that in through that process, I can learn that, you know, we do have control over how long we live. We have control over our mental health um, and we have control over our environment in as much as we do have control over it. And so I hope to achieve, you know, a, a, this a movement in this way that all of us can become self-empowered. And so right now I have a, an active blog um, I'm, I'm writing. You know, it's not the, oh, my personal experience type of thing where I'm sharing a couple hundred words about my everyday, but I am writing this literature, you know, that are equivalent to chapters of books, uh, um, step-by-step 
in how one can empower themselves um, in, in the way that I see it. And I have some interesting ideas that come from it, but um, I, I'm working on several books right now. And um, I, I do uh, aspire, it's the editing process is always challenging, but I aspire to get at least one or two of them published in the next year. Um, and, and I'll also be having health and wellness um, conferences, um, hopefully in the, in, in the flesh, in the real person, um, but, but also Zoom conferencing, trying to pivot to uh, COVID-19. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, what is the name of your website? Is that, uh, or any, any handle that you would want to refer people to? Sure. The website's name is Your Health Forum. And it's, um, it's Your Health Forum by drserino.org. And I encourage everyone to sign up. Um, it is, you know, although it is not um, individual medical advice, um, it certainly can be a, quite a tool for each and every one uh, to, you know, as they develop, you know, their behavior, as they make those changes and make their journey towards realizing their health, everyone deserves to be healthy. And, um, you know, and so I open that up, I remove the shame, I remove the guilt and blame, and we start that first step, one step at a time. Awesome, awesome. Amen to that. So, Dr. Chris, thank you so much for being here. Um, we, I really appreciate, you know, your energy, um, the vibe and all the good feels that, you know, you brought to the show. And, uh, you know, hopefully the audience, you know, got a lot out of it. I, do, I certainly did. And, uh, you know, much success to, you know, your present and future endeavors. And no, no worries. I really appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for watching this episode. Um, if you like this or you feel like uh, this has been a benefit to you. Please share, you know, with someone else and we will see you on the next uh, episode Fridays live every Wednesday. So please say goodbye to Dr. Chris. Bye bye. I really enjoyed this. Dr. Sue. This has really been, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.